my YouTube is being horrible. Or it was horrible today. Why? Playing my usual hits pre-warm-up. Meatloaf. And a Just For Men advert came on. That's, that's, that's awful of YouTube. So I think YouTube I'm now be... being advertised. advertising. <laughs> I mean, that's good. It's, it could be worse. You listen to this. I'm getting ads for Tenor Lady soon, so... At least I'm not getting ads for manscaping anymore. They've given up on me, them guys. I was going to say, did you buy them out of all their stock? <laughs> no, they've just kind of stopped. Like, I used to get them all the time, and they were just like, nah, you're good now. Go on then. <clears throat> Hit me with an intro. Welcome all in to the M.O. Podcast. As always, you're here with me, Contumacious Ant. And me, Atreya. And this week, we are going to be talking about the mysterious death of Kay Hall. Now... I don't know this Yeah, one. now, there is not very much out there about this. So is this a 12-minute episode and seven minutes of it is just outtakes? Not really, because I have borrowed heavily from the uh, Trail Goes Cold podcast and that gentleman dragged it out to 40 odd minutes so Alright, okay. At least you cited him, I suppose. Yeah. No, uh, I can't remember his name, but literally the Trail Goes Cold uh, podcast is, for Unsolved Mysteries it's absolutely brilliant and he is the only one, apart from Unsolved Mysteries, Unsolved Mysteries obviously back in the day covered this, but it was like a 10 minute segment and it only had her husband on it. And as we get further into the story, you could see why that could be a little bit bias of it. Mm. Now, this is, like I said to you last time, it's a little bit of maybe Brian Harvey-esque about this. So, if you don't know, Brian Harvey was in E17, and he reversed the car over his own face while in eating jacket potatoes. Uh, he... This... that That's actually a sign in Walthamstow that they have up for the legend I... that is Brian. He's not a legend. Oh, it... House of Love it... was a banger. Dave's obsessed with E17. He used to dress like Brian Harvey and everything, so he dressed like a plunker as well. I won't go that far. I think Tony Mortimer was the the genius behind that band, I think. Anyway, I won't go into the depth of my knowledge on them. Yeah, buy some concert tickets for their reunion with Steps and Five. I don't actually think they talk anymore, but let's move on quickly because I... May mm-hmm. know a little bit too much about them. Uh, Somebody subscribes to them. <laughs> Look, legend. So, this also features something called an Alfred plea, which is the most bullshit plea that you can get in any kind of court. 
and we'll we'll get onto it later, but it's just completely mental. So on September the thirtieth, nineteen eighty-seven, Kay Hall was found under the wheels of her own car on a back road in Virginia. Now, a few hours before, she was drinking with a husband in a local country club, and when she was found at nine forty-five p.m., her body was still warm, but she was under the truck in a way that seemed a bit suspicious so the cops deemed it murder straight away right i mean i'm just gonna say right out right off the bat how can you be under the wheel of a truck in non-mysterious circumstances so now this is the thing we've mentioned brian harvey he managed to reverse over himself I have forgotten the guy's name, but that guy from Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek, the young Russian guy. This is actually how he died. He reversed into himself. How do you reverse into yourself? So maybe the car weren't in park and he got out with Anton Anton Yeltsin, I think he was called. So it's still moving really fucking slowly. So you just move out the way. So how hard is it? So basically, he was. I think he got out of the car and he was opening the garage or he was doing something behind the car and it. It was on a hill. It ran into him and he wasn't found for a few hours. So it kind of again, eventually crushed him to death. But again, move out the way. It's still not going that fast, unless it's like unless the hill is like that, right? In which case the car just goes vroom. But then if it's got you pinned, still like, you can't move, can you? Because you've got a ton of car you're on moving you. Bef- you. You hear the we- the fucking wheels crunk, creaking on the gravel. You hear like a cr- and you're like, oh, f- fuck, I didn't put the car in fucking brake again. And then you just move out of the way. Who are these idiots? Just sounds like you're victim blaming Chekhov here to me, that's all. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll take it. I am. What a fucking idiot. But, anyway. I can understand if somebody else is driving the car, but to reverse over yourself... No. See, it's it's more common than you actually think. And well, I'd be Googling it, because I don't believe you. On the... I really don't want to cite it, but on the Reddit discussion about this 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 there is my fucking case there is a lot of instances of people saying yeah my uncle did this he reversed over himself this happened whether you take that as a pinch of salt or whatever but it's not that uncommon but okay go on are you right so is there not a difference between reversing over yourself right and pinning yourself against something with your own car. Because if you reverse over yourself, right, you've literally not got to move out the way as the car is passing over you. And then you just kind of, you could just put your arms up like that. And then the wheels just, and then the car just cracks on on its journey. And you're just, you're in the middle of all the, all four tires. Is, am I taking crazy pills right now? Is this too fucking logical? I mean, it's not the Fast and Furious. It's real life. I mean... What? Yes! That's the point. It's real fucking life. How are you? I don't know, but how? How? I mean, how astounded were we all when this happened to Brian? So, I didn't even know that it happened to him. So, 
He was eating jacket potatoes. <laughs> he was eating it, and then I don't know how it happened, but he almost died. But he did have a song in 2019, so he's doing well at the minute. Well, I don't know about I don't know about doing well, but he's surviving. I didn't even know he was still alive. Surviving. Uh, anyway. <laughs> We'll 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 do a separate E seventeen episode later. And how stupid yeah. their songs were. <clears throat> I don't think Gabrielle thought that. Anyway, move on. Right, so Gabrielle made that tune. They they give her some lyrics and she was like, <laughs> No. Let's not do it your way, let's do it my way. Christmas number one, all I'm saying. Yes, it was, because Gabrielle wrote the bastard. I think Tony Mortimer wrote. Anyway. So <laughs> Kay and her husband had apparently known each other since the early 70s. And there they are, the crazy bastards. Uh, But... She looks like a fun-loving girl that would roll out of the way of a reversing vehicle. Yeah, and he doesn't look like Frank Sinatra at all. Uh, So... They'd really got to know each other after Bob was released from prison in 1982. So he. Better mum was our than not with that. Yeah. I mean, this is probably the highlight of the story because there are so many twists and turns in this. It's like unreal. Uh, So Bob was inside for drug dealing and. Kay met him and said she'd wait for him, whatever. She met him outside the prison on the day he was released and they got married later on. But before Kay met Bob, she was working as a successful insurance executive. But after they got married in 1985, they started their own oyster farm. A little bit of a career change there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> An oyster farm. Yeah, and if you would believe it or not, after six months, they ran into financial trouble. Who'd have known? Who, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Because uh, most oyster farms are really successful. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I think it's it's quite apt that we both drinking because they both started to drink heavily after this, their financial troubles started to surface. I feel like they were drinking when they decided that was a game changer for them. What we should do after this vodka though, we should open up oyster. Wait for it. A fucking oyster farm. I got a great idea. I got a great idea. <laughs> Hear me out. You may think I'm crazy, <laughs> but... It's yeah. What were they hoping for? Like, what? Were they just waiting for them to make some pearls? I don't. I, maybe, or maybe it was kind of like. Or were they like selling them to eat? Or I don't know. Because I mean, this is what they, draining them for the sauce. Th- this is the eighties. Like, it's not the swinging sixties where free love and sex, and you can say, "Oh, they're aphrodisiacs." This was the eighties when everyone hated each other and didn't even look at each other. So. Nobody even ate oysters in the eighties. They ate turkey dinosaurs and be done with it. Yeah, and and they're coming back by the way. TV well dinners, uh, not if Jamie Oliver gets mm-hmm. his way. Uh, 
So what about the turkey dinosaurs? Yeah. Jamie Oliver can suck my dick. I'm having my turkey dinosaurs back. You heard it here first. Uh, that's the B on our OnlyFans and Patreon. Uh, <laughs> there were also reports of domestic unbliss as well. And Kay was telling her, has told a couple of friends that Bob was violent towards her. And she'd been spotted with bruises and on occasion a couple of black eyes. She'd also... I bet they weren't as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Atreya's got a bruise on her leg, by the way. Not that she's got a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look. Yeah, no black yeah, eyes. Just, no black eyes. Definitely no black eyes. No, I... Uh... But if you want to comment on it in the in the comments section, please comment, subscribe, and like, because it helps the algorithm. Uh, yeah. But Kate had also told her mother, Esther, that she was not happy in the relationship, and they were actually planning to go to couples counselling. Now... On the day of September the 30th, 1987, the day of Kay's death, she'd apparently come into a large inheritance, $50,000 to be precise, and to celebrate, the couple went out that evening to a country club, and by all accounts, Kay was the life of the party. She did get a little bit drunk. She just inherited 50 grand, why wouldn't you? Mm. Although, who did she inherit it from? Because... It's like, woo, someone's just died and left me 50 grand. Let's go out and drink. She can't have been very close to the person who died. Yeah. Uh, I it, I think it was like some distant relation. Like the rich uncle that everybody wishes they had because they don't know about him and he's a recluse somewhere in Alabama or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, by all accounts, Kay was the life of the party and Bob did try and impress people in his own way. In one of the ways he tried to impress people is that he gave the bartender a very large tip. With Kay's money? See, now... What prick? Yeah, so they're in financial difficulty and he decides to do that. It's a little bit of a red flag, is it not? It's her money? Exactly. So... This was the kind of the straw that broke Kay's camel's back, if you say, and she she stormed out and she, by all accounts, drove home. Now, Bob didn't notice. After she'd had a drink. See, now this is where it gets a bit, hmm. No way. Yeah. By all accounts, Bob hadn't noticed this and by 8.45... He'd looked around and gone, fucking hell, my ride's gone. <laughs> Didn't mean that in a literal sense, but <laughs> Kay was driving. And he was dropped off by friends at his home at 8.45pm. Now, the hall's residence is, or was, 14 miles away from the club. Now, I've it said 14 miles, but I've heard it was a round trip to the club and back of 16 miles. So I'm not really sure. But it was that far away. So it was 8 miles back to the house. Yeah. So it was it was a distance, let's say. And 
Kay's body was found two miles east of the club. So the Blue House is their home and the car is where Kay's body was found. In the opposite direction of home. Yeah. So, in fairness, Kay was twice the legal limit to drive when she was found. So, she could have got a bit confused, taken a left. I mean, night driving be hard. Maybe a right. She, yeah, I mean. Did she go there very often, though? Like, if she goes to this club very often, then night driving's not a thing because you've got an autopilot. But if it was, like, her first time no, it or weren't. something, then she... Well, it weren't okay. their first time. They were, I'm not going to say well-known, but it was a place where they frequented. Uh, right, she wouldn't have She wouldn't have messed up. Even when you're drunk, you always find your way out. You say that, but... Kay's body... A girl always finds a way home. Okay, sorry. But Kay's body was found under the tyre trucks and it looked at first as though she'd been reversed over. But then when the brake was applied, the front wheel kind of skidded and kind of pinned her underneath the the front wheel. Mm-hmm. So she's So basically, she's behind the car... Mm-hmm. The car's reversed over her, mm-hmm. but then, for some reason, the angle of the car has then changed and skidded. Of her own car that she is now not driving because she's under it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, okay. someone may have applied the brake, or maybe the brake kicked in automatically. Whatever. I'm not sure that that's a good. I don't, I don't that's a good function in a I car for a brake it, to be kicking in automatically. I don't think it's a design thing. It's not Tesla, uh, and no. e- even then, I wouldn't trust it. Uh, no. The problem is, even though the engine was still running when the car was found, the gear that the Americans have was in park. So in essence, the handbrake was up. It. Yeah. It shouldn't have moved. No. There was also signs of a struggle in the cab as her necklace and three fake fingernails were found on the floor. Ooh, takes a lot to get them off, you know. So, when the police turned up, they went, oh, maybe it is a little bit of an accident, and then they looked in the cab and went, mm, no, maybe not. So, Bob quickly became the chief suspect. That's fair. It gets fairer, trust me. Uh, A state trooper turned up at his house to tell him the bad news, and all they said to him was there'd been an accident and Kay had passed away. He never specified what had happened, but later, when the lead investigator, David Riley, turned up, Bob met him, basically, by saying, Kay's been run over. And he's like, how did he know that she'd been run over? No one's, no one's told him this. How did he get home as well? So, and when he got home, why did he not go? Where the fuck's my wife? So, his guilt was compounded because when the police turned up, the engine of his jeep was still warm. 
so they were a two car family. Mm-hmm. They'd taken Kay's car that night and he'd left his at home. So when the, the state trooper turned up and when there's been an accident, uh, not an accident, there's been an incident because accident implies that there's no one to blame. No one was to blame. Uh, they must have gone, oh, I'll just lean on this Jeep a little bit. Oh, that's a bit warm. Oh, that engine's been running, hasn't it? So when Bob was faced with this, he was asked beforehand, like, when David Riley turned up, he said, have you been anywhere tonight? And he went, no, I've just been here. I've just been here. And he went, so why Why is it, like, can we... Why is your car warm? And he went, oh, well, in fairness, I've just been down to the end of the road, turned up at home. My wife's not here, so I thought, oh, I'll just have a drive down. Couldn't see her, so I came back. Now... He'd been drinking as well, so I mean, he's admitting this to a police officer. So he's like, "Yeah, but when when was the like the law changed so that you could couldn't drink when you drive anymore? Because I think you could in the at some point in the eighties, couldn't you? I I mean, I was I wasn't I wasn't old enough to drive in the eighties. I was you know four, so it's not something I would have ever done. But I mean, I don't I don't ever think it's been legal, but. I think in these kind of places... Well, it's never been illegal, has it? Up until, like, modern day times. Yeah, but it's what it's like small towns, isn't it? If they know you, then you probably get away with it a little bit more than mm-hmm. if you're doing it, like, down the fucking main street of... He wasn't very smart, was he? Because if it was me, I'd have been like, well, I came back pissed as a fart from this um, party that I was just at at the country club. And um, I locked myself out. <laughs> like a dickhead couldn't remember where the key was but i had my car keys on me so i just sat in the car get a bit warm put the blowers on in it and i thought i'll just wait here till Kay gets home because she'll have her key and she doesn't show up and then i'm like oh yeah dickhead it's under the fake rock in the garden there's a spare in there and so i just went and got that and i thought i'll wait for Kay in the warm i'm glad you've just come up with that off the top of your head uh that's not worrying at all uh, Do you know, it's not... That's the problem, okay? That didn't take five seconds to think up. Why did Bob not think of that? I think I think as we go on, you'll see probably why he didn't think of it. Uh, so, although Bob was the chief suspect, and there's a lot of factors pointing to it, the problem is the route from the murder site back to their home was... David Riley drove this on multiple times, the lead investigator, and it took him between 17 minutes and 24 minutes. So her body was found at 9.55pm. He was taken home, and he has witnesses because he was dropped off at 8.45pm. So that gives him a very short window. And bearing in mind, he's got a finder, there's no... GPS, there's nothing like that. He doesn't know where she's gone. As far as he knows, she's in Canada. Do you know what I mean? She's just stormed out. She's not gone, I'm just going down the lane to have a little bit of a smoke and chill out. She's just stormed out and he's he doesn't know where she is. So, it, the timeline is very, very slight for him to be able to do this. And there were no witnesses that saw Bob or his Jeep 
in the area. But there are witnesses that say they saw Kay drive over a lawn and almost into a swimming pool. So she was pretty pissed. Yeah, so... What you what what were you saying about always finding home when you're over the limit? Uh, I do. I mean, not not, not that you drunk drive. Not, not, not that you drive. I don't, I don't mean over you. the limit. I mean at night. Yeah. I always find my way home at night. Yeah. And if I'm, you know, if I'm really really pissed and I'm directing a taxi driver, I always think I I'm very eloquent, in, in my directions with the taxi. I'm just like, yeah, that's lovely. If you just take the next uh, the next right, please. Yes, just by that bus stop. That's fantastic. Thanks ever so much. <laughs> So he thinks I'm get posh. What? Because you get dropped off next to the bus stops. No, because I'm very eloquent with my fucking directions, dickhead. Yes, you can, and you fucking OnlyFans. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so also problematic to this timeline was phone records show that Bob actually made a phone call at nine forty-seven p.m. to his daughter. So he is back at home at 9.47. So he had 62 minutes from being dropped off, finding Kay, murdering her, getting back and making this phone call. It's not okay. impossible, but it's take if it's taking this detective 24 minutes and he's sober doing this, Bob had been drinking. Now, he wasn't... We don't know how drunk he was. I mean, he did give a big tip to a bartender, whether he's generous or it wasn't his money or he was pissed. Don't know. But he would still have had to... So, so say Kay went in the opposite direction, he still had to get dropped off at home, then get in his car... Then go to wherever she was, and then get back to his house. So, exactly. Mm. So he's doing a round trip, and he's got a murderer in this time, and make sure mm. she's dead because it's quite a bit fine. Exactly. And even if, even if, say, he she'd gone home, and he'd gone home, and then he'd driven out and killed her, he would still have to get back home and then warm his car up. So that doesn't make any sense either. Mm. Mm. So it's... it's it For the police, it's a little bit of a headache for them. And mm. nothing actually happened until December. And Bob as we will now find out, isn't really a genius. So, he called up David Riley, and this this wasn't a police interview, this was just, let's have a meeting, let's have a talk. Now, David Riley was like, he's the number one suspect in this case, he wants to talk, I'm going to fucking record him. Okay. So, during this meeting... Bob asked for a Christmas present. And obviously David Riley was a little bit confused and he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I've met a new lady and I'd like this case to be solved by Christmas. <sighs> okay, 
So you know what? I was I, mm-hmm. seriously. I had I benefit benefit the doubt with Bob, but now I've changed my mind again. Oh, don't worry. You'll go full. Uh, this is a. Oh, this is this is a. Uh, this is just like that fucking asshole Chris Watts in it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's. I don't know if it's worse because. I mean, you be the judge. Okay. So basically, he he wanted the case solved by Christmas because he thought this may hinder him in his upcoming new relationship. Now, whether he didn't want to put attempted murderer on his Tinder profile or he was already in a relationship, don't know. This was never categorically stated. But during this interview, Bob flo- floated the idea of placing a a journalistic piece in the paper to say that the killer had been caught. Now, he thought Bob thought that this may flush the killer out to be kind of like a son of Sam. Like, no, you've not caught me. That's not me. Ha ha ha. To try and taunt the police. Right. And David Riley turned around and went, that's all well and good, but you are realistically our only suspect, Bob. (coughs) And then Bob turned around and went, well... If hypothetically I had done this deed, if I confessed, would I be able to get a legal document that would say Kay's death was an accident and no charges could be pressed against anyone? What? So because this isn't a legal, this isn't an interrogation, this isn't at a police station, this isn't a legal thing, this is just two people talking in a diner, let's say. Riley turned around and went, you mental? Yeah. But he went, well, if I was to go to the district attorney, and let's say I just put Bob Hall's name on this document... Would you sign it? And Bob actually replied verbatim before Christmas. What is the... So don't don't let's not jump to conclusions yet about Bob's ineptitude because he also went on to say you know on that document could you actually put that I could claim Kay's life insurance. What? And any insurance just in case, you know, my house accidentally burnt down. And David, f- David Riley had to interrupt at this point and go, no, because that's illegal, that'd be fraud. And then Bob turned around and went, oh, well, yeah, I was just, just riffing, innit? I was asking for a friend. There was this friend yeah. who sees one of my friends. I mean, we used to talk, but we don't talk now because he killed his wife and there was this big thing. And then he burned his house down. But, I mean, this friend, would he have, like, would he have got the insurance? Just asking for a friend. It is legit the first time, I think, asking for a friend was ever used. And Oh, my God. So... Riley was just like, we can't do that because that actually is illegal. 
and it'd be fraud. And it was at this point that Bob kind of withdrew and said, no, no, all I want to do is try and push this article out just so the killer may come forward and say, oh, I've not done it. Da-da-da-da-da. So, the case actually went stale up until this point because due to the tight timeline, prosecutors, if they put this in front of a jury, they weren't 100% that the jury were going to say he could have got there and back in this amount of time because it it is it's very tight and any defender worth their soul would push that kind of case and go nah it's too tight he couldn't have done this he was over the limit he was drunk he wasn't in his right senses do you know what i mean but his new girlfriend could have though if she was seeing him beforehand well yeah but then in january of 1990 after this actual case had appeared on un- Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. There was a deluge of like tips about this. And one of the tips was from one of Bob and Kay's friends. Now, I don't understand why she didn't come forward sooner about this. Maybe she didn't know the intricacies of the case. But Carol Vandergraaf was shot in the head by her estranged ex-husband two months before Kay was killed. So her husband broke into her house in Virginia and then proceeded to speed back to his ranch in Syracuse in New York. When he got back, he placed a series of phone calls to try and establish an alibi to say he was, he was, he's been there since this time, so it couldn't have been him. But Carol, after she got shot in the head, she wrote his name in her blood. She wrote her ex-husband's name in her blood, but she also didn't die, so... That was unlucky for him, wasn't it? Yeah. So Bob and Kay would have been well aware of this fact and the fact that he rushed back to her house to try and set up the alibi. Did he just copy a plan that didn't work the first time? Yeah. So this was this this seemed to be the piece of evidence that they needed. And in July nineteen ninety he was sentenced to twenty years in prison for the murder of Kay Hall. But, as I have alluded to, there is a thing called an Alford plea. Now, Bob appealed this conviction, and he was given a second trial. Now, his defence, excuse me, his defence attorney successfully argued that Carol's testimony be taken out of this new trial because it was apropos of nothing it didn't mean anything towards this trial which when you've got these tiny margins i really think it is a thing and especially Mm -hmm. when they knew each other it's not Mm -hmm. something he's he's read in the paper it's something that he has first-hand experience of but that was thrown out the judge said no you can't do that 
So, during this trial, when the prosecution realised this was going against them, they offered Bob what's called an Alford plea. Now, this is basically, the prosecution has enough evidence to put you away, but they can't put you away. What? So, in North Carolina in 1970, Henry Alford had argued with someone at their house. Now, Alford left, and the victim was then shot dead later, answering the door. Right. So, North Carolina had the death penalty, and at the time, Alford claimed that because he was, he was in fear for his life, so he took a guilty plea to have a life charge. So, he successfully argued that, yes, he did have an argument with that person. Yes, he was in the area, but no, he didn't kill him. The only reason he said he killed him is because if he didn't and he went to jury trial, he would have been killed by the state. That's some fucked up kind of law. Yeah. So, basically, this is from Wikipedia... And it's, quote, Defendants can take advantage of the ability to use the Alford guilty plea by admitting there is enough evidence to convict them of a higher crime while at the same time pleading guilty to a lesser charge. Defendants usually enter an Alford plea if they want to avoid a possible worse sentence where they were to lose the case against them at trial. It affords the defendants the ability to accept a plea bargain while maintaining innocence. So basically... Let's put it this way, in the, the, the way my brain thinks of it, say if you stole a car, drove somewhere, killed someone, made sure nothing to do with you about that murder was about you, but you left your prints on the car and the car was in the area and you had an argument with that person, you could say, yeah, rob that car, but I didn't kill that person so i'll take two years for stealing the car but not for killing the person and the prosecution are like we know you did it we just can't prove it because the evidence is circumstantial it's not we mm -hmm. don't have any eyewitnesses but you're saying you'll go to prison for two years so it's kind of a win to the prosecution but not mm. it's not justice in any way shape or form no it is not so, Bob Hall took this plea, this Alfred plea, and because he served two years, the judge decided that that was enough. Yeah. What? So, he let him go to two years, but gave him 15 years probation. So, if he murdered anyone again in them 15 years, then he'd be back inside, but... Yeah. I mean... It's, it's, it's ridiculous. No. No. There's, it's, there's just so much evidence, but it's all circumstantial. That is the problem. It's all circumstantial because the evidence is saying they were having financial trouble. Kay had Kay come into $50,000 on the day of a murder. Let's say Bob wanted the money. He went, when he spoke to David Riley about hypothetically, he wasn't in a, 
he wasn't in an interrogation room. It wasn't an investigation situation. Bob reached out to him. And even though David Riley recorded it, it was inadmissible because it wasn't. He never agreed to go on record. So everything's circumstantial. And the timeline of it is too close for him to be able to do it. It's like nowadays, nowadays, if that happened, you'd be able to check GPS, you'd be able to check phone pings and stuff like that. So it's a lot easier nowadays to be able to do that. But back... Much easier to get away with murder in the olden days. Exactly. There was so many crimes you could do. I mean, you could just move to the next town, put on a fake tash and you're done. Look at Jack the Ripper. He just went down the road. I know. He just, you know, like, killed one woman. Oi, coppers, I'm over here. As the police coming down, he was like, all right, yeah, I'm off to the next one down the road. He didn't even move towns. He just moved boroughs. Streets, yeah, even. just streets. Yeah. Uh, just streets, yeah. Oof. But, yeah, it's uh, it's just, mm. it's, it's one of the craziest... That's infuriating me, huh? I know, <clears throat> I know, and I I am sorry, it is infuriating. There's a few more Alford plea, uh, Alford plea cases uh, that they, they, they're kind of unsolved, but you know we fucking did it. It's like, that's unsolved, but it's like, yeah, Bob did it. It's, there's... Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it's interesting is it is interesting to know as soon as nineteen and as soon as after this he faded out of the spotlight like nobody has ever found him to follow up with with this like mm. and there's, there's so little information about this out there there's there's only two pictures that I could use because there's even when you Google K Hall I know it's quite uh, a common name but I bet it's in a 14 it, it it very well could be but there's like there's the unsolved mysteries bit the uh, the trail went cold podcast and the the reddit but that's on a subreddit of uh, the unsolved mysteries and even then there's not that many replies to it it's just it's everyone knows who did it, but they just can't prove it, unfortunately. God damn it! Yeah, it's. Uh, it's always the ones in the eighties that piss me off the most. That's because that's because it was Wild West time back then. Jesus, I, I mean, cops were bent as anything. Like it was so obvious, but there was no pissing DNA testing. That's it as well, and I think as. There's a few like unsolved cases like John John and Jane Doe's now that they actually were because you don't know who they are, they've kept the DNA and stuff like this. But I think like this like with the Beth Barnard case as well, because they mm-hmm. think it's a foregone conclusion, they don't keep the evidence. Which is bullshit. Yeah, they just kind of rush it through to try and get a result. And then this kind of thing happens, and we're and we we're, we're kind of stuck with this frustration. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, 
interesting. It's not the great greatest one because uh, it's sad, really. Because I mean, Bob, I'm not saying you did it, but you were a shitty husband. Exactly. I mean, at the end, of, uh, at the end of the day, don't spend her fucking money. Yeah, he was. She was doing so well without him, and then she fell in with the wrong crowd. I'm not victim blaming, but she fell in. She fell in love, and she tried to do what's best for each of them and uh, it backfired on her unfortunately yeah so and I still maintain the comment that I said right at the very start which is you can't reverse over yourself yeah well uh, let's just uh, just take a minute just to uh, moment of respect Voted by the people. Everybody in the house Call of love. Us. One love. Oh. One tribe. Everybody in the house of love. I've not listened to that for about 20 years. I'll be quite frank with you. So he says. We'll check his Spotify. <laughs> God. Uh, it's, it, I oh, mean. You have gone so down in my estimations. Oh, come on. Well, the lyrics aren't kin. It's not an opera like Meatloaf. It's uh, repetitive. But anyway, yes. You know what it is? I don't know whether I do want to go to Saddle with Moo with you. <laughs> I feel like you scare all the beasties away. Oh, but... All the werewolves be like, who's that? Some humans over there. Yeah, but who's that prick singing E17? I don't like him. Be using... He tastes nasty. Be using my playlist, I tell you. Uh <laughs> you know what Sam and Dean in Supernatural say? Driver picks the music. Shotgun shuts his cake all. Well, we'll see. We've got a saddle worth more. We need a shotgun. Uh, and a shovel. <laughs> Heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> ah, you keep playing E17. I'll bury your best <laughs> yeah, <itself>. Exactly. <laughs> the week after we do that, there'll just be one of us sat here. Well... Mm, yeah. well it won't be me, I know that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just leave you on the moors and drive off. <laughs> yeah, yeah cheers. Get picked up by a trucker. You say that like it's a ba- <clears throat> Anyway. Uh... <laughs> you love getting your ass out. It's good use. On that bombshell. Uh... <laughs> This has been the M.O. Podcast with me, Contemnatious Ant. And me, Atreya. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we shall see you next time. The M.O. Podcast. The M.O. Podcast. The M.O. Podcast. The M.O. Podcast.